Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find most of your tennis news and information. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors might provide that roadmap for your journey. On most Thursdays, I am blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Normally on that first Thursday of the month, it's Alan Fox. Uh, Today, Alan is not returned from Europe yet, and we're blessed to have uh, Coach Scott Inge uh, with us today. The second Thursday is Coach Chuck Greasy. The third Thursday is Dr. John Marie. On that fourth Thursday, usually it's either Coach Scott Williams or Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, who sometimes blesses us with her husband, Dr. Bryce Young, joining her. And on those occasional fifth Thursdays, well, who knows? Over the last three years, We have been blessed to have people like uh, Coach Ashley Hobson, uh, Coach Scott Inge, who will be joining us uh, today, other college coaches and high school coaches, USTA officials, PTR and USPTR executive directors, uh, the Florida tennis founder and editor Jim Marks, and other people have joined us, too. So if you do have somebody you think that should be on with us, let me know. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen anytime you choose to the broadcast. If you miss Wednesday's Coach Chuck Reese's American Tennis, you can listen at your time. And now on Sundays on the Coach's Corner, we have Randy Blumenthal uh, program. I listened to the first one. Well, I didn't listen to it Sunday. I truthfully listened to it on Monday. But that's the great thing about Block Talk Radio. Very nice uh, broadcast. I think you will enjoy it. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our network, and if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, well, you're missing out on some useful information. Because I do believe Dr. King, when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American tennis. And naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. Who knows, together we may wake up that sleeping giant of high school tennis. Besides our weekly conversation, the almighty willing, you will also be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I have previously expressed, if you disagree, please email me at Denise period, F-H-S-T-C-A at A-T-T dot net. That's Coach Denise, D-A-N-I-S-E dot F-H-S 
T-C-A-A-T-T dot net. Who knows? You may read your views in Florida Tennis, or you might hear them on one of our future Coach Denise Sharon Tennis Blessings broadcasts. It would not be the first time that that's happened. And I'd like to also remind you, being out talking about uh, Florida Tennis Magazines and my articles, if someone has taken that last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop, you can always see the last issue by of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. At www.floridatennismagazine.com. Or in between issues, you might also find Jim Martz's articles or my articles uh, in, uh, on Facebook at uh, the Facebook uh, FL Tennis. Uh, Florida Tennis Magazine site, uh, also on uh, Instagram, uh, getting involved in the social media now. You might be able to see um, broadcasts that are coming up. Uh, in between the issues, you might be able to find uh, information that we got in there or something that maybe there wasn't room for in the magazine, but... Uh, it's uh, important enough to put it on Facebook. So please uh, look over. I'd like to just remind you my own bias. Uh, Florida uh, Tennis Magazine is not just about uh, Florida uh, tennis. It's really about uh, tennis from around uh, the world, just like this broadcast is not just about Florida tennis. Uh, we have uh, mentors that are on here from around the country, and we've been blessed to be listened to from, uh, well, I was going to say around the world, but I don't know if that's a fact, but I do know in Europe because we've had responses from uh, Great Britain and Germany and other places. So uh, today I'd like to... Uh, present my commentary uh, a little different than normally. Uh, our mentor, Coach Scott Inge, uh is not uh, with us now, but uh, uh, hopefully at the Ottawa University uh, men's and women's uh, tennis coach uh, is not driving from Kansas City to his house, but I'm sure he'll be with us pretty soon. And I might just let you know if you are hearing noises in the background, and hopefully we won't have any problems in Florida, we're going through um, a pretty significant uh, storm here. And uh, I am, uh, well, since my wife Bobby retired, she's taken over my den, and I'm out uh, uh, on the Florida room uh, outside near the uh, pool. I'm not complaining, though. I do enjoy the birds and uh, seeing things out here, but uh, it's uh, uh, that time of year where we get some storms, and if you hear something in the background, it might not just be uh, me uh, growling. It might be a storm coming up. So I pray that uh, we get through. I would like to... Uh, go through my commentary now and um, hopefully 
uh, can be of use to you. And uh, like I said, I did listen. I, I don't know if some of you that asked for um, my commentary from last week to be uh, put on my uh, Facebook uh, uh, page, uh, John Denise at uh, FHSTCA. Uh, I think you will see that I did post it there. So I do listen to you, and I'm always open uh, for suggestions. I'm going to give you my biased view of how I see things, and uh, I do understand that everybody's not going to agree with me all the time. It's uh, human nature. It's who we are. And um, sometimes I don't understand why you don't agree with me, but that's another uh, story for another broadcast. But... I would like to go through uh, what happened, an incident that occurred this week that got me thinking, and I, this is uh, what it is. Years ago, after hearing Supreme Court Justice uh, Brian Wizard White state that he always uh, started reading the paper from the back page because he wanted to read the good news first, uh, those of you that aren't old enough uh, might not remember, but in those days, uh, the sports sections of the biggest uh, newspapers presented the biggest news. Sports news was always on the rear page of most newspapers, and back then, of course, most sports uh, activity that was reported uh, by the media was always pretty positive, and uh, Chief Justice White being an athlete that he was himself before he became a Supreme Court, uh, I shouldn't say Chief Justice, Justice White, before he became a justice on the Supreme Court, uh, was active in sports and continued. And myself, loving sports and being a preacher of habit, over the years I too like to read the sports section first. This past Monday morning, I went out to the pool to watch the birds in the area, see if uh, they were eating from the feeders I have. I sat down with my coffee and went to the sports section of the Press Journal, uh, now part of the Treasure Coast newspaper, who, like many local papers, are uh, part of uh, U.S. Today Network. I think Justice White would have been as disappointed as I was when I saw the back page headline, which read, quote, Prob targets Oregon sanctuary state repeal effort. Below that, the Associated Press reporter, Ms. James, uh, subtitle read, Critics blame hate group for trying to abolish law. Uh, I could not help but think about the article um, for Florida tennis uh, changes necessary in tennis, as well as today's mentor, uh, Scott Inge, uh, had posted uh, last week in Facebook uh, a very interesting uh, article, which I thought uh, got me thinking about that. And, um, yeah, I could hear some of you now yelling, the same people, Facebook is a lot of garbage. Well, yes, there is garbage on Facebook, but 
There is also more useful information on the social media. And like digest and other medias, you need to read it and digest it before you make those statements I hear all too often. Change is not only necessary in tennis, it is necessary for life. And it is never too late to listen to suggestions, arguments, and make adjustments on how we do things. The future of tennis and our country is really in our hands. I think when change can be supported, change should be considered. That is why you are hearing my commentary prior to my discussion with our mentor, Scott Engie, today, rather than at the end of our broadcast. I have listened to those who asked for it to be prior to talking with our mentors rather than after. Yes, even old people like me can make change. So if I can do it, you can do it too. In this issue of Florida Tennis Magazine, the second part of my three-part article addressing some suggestions, um, that I and others think will be suggestions that I and others think should be uh, considered. As I expressed in my last Coach Denise Exploring Tennis Blessings commentary, developing a trinity of thinking, I suspect being able and strong enough to make worthwhile statements starts with listening and studying issues. It should not be a surprise that tennis is facing so many challenges, nor should it be a surprise that the governing organizations are being accused of not listening to its members and dictating policy. Uh, Tennis, like America, faces the challenges of remembering our tradition and history while trying to coexist with the rest of the world. We have many issues to suggest, but I suggest starting a conversation with accusations or worse yet, vulgarity will only make more difficult to address those issues that we should be addressing. I understand how often when starting a day where our newspapers, like I did on Monday, or our TV stations, who are often trying to influence us with negative jargon, often we need to go through words like bigot, dictators, hate crime, far-right, racist, narcissist, sexist, and other negative comments before we can actually get to the subject being discussed. Yes, it is hard to continue reading or listening, but doing nothing is not going to address the issues. We owe it to the game of tennis, our country, our families, to stay in the discussion. There's a lot of things going on with tennis right now, and we need to get in the discussion. Are the organizations listening? The only way to truly find out if we keep staying involved and making sure they listen by keeping the information in front of everybody. Wouldn't it be great if your children, grandchildren, and others could someday read about the 99% of the positive experiences of sport? I think so. Imagine how great it would be for them to go to the back page of their newspaper 
and read a joyable and positive experience that occurs in sports. That's what Justice White used to do, and I think if we do it and talk about it enough, I pray our children and grandchildren will be able to do it too. So that's my commentary uh, for the week. And like I said, if I could make change, and uh, I do listen to the audience, um, it was suggested I do my commentary before and after. I'm not too old to make change, so I suggest to you that if we get into a conversation, let's make it a civil one. Let's sit there and listen to the other people. Like I expressed in my commentary last week, I think the key to intelligently making remarks is listening to our opponents, listening to the other side, and not be so such a hurry to uh, interrupt. I think too often I I don't know if he, how many people really listen or do they listen just to uh, get their opinion in. Well, you have to decide that. I think our guest that is here now, uh, Mentor Scott, is that you? Yes, I'm on, John. How are you? I'm blessed. I haven't introduced you yet, so let me uh, do that, and then we can get into a conversation. Uh, I've been blessed to know Scott Engie for a long time. He's a former high school coach. Uh, he's been very active in supporting high schools, um, not only for us in Florida, but across the country. Uh, he has made presentations, come out to Florida uh, to do presentations for us. And one year, as a matter of fact, when he wasn't able to make the trip, he even did a video for FHS TCA uh, tennis team coaching uh, certifications, so, which I really appreciate. Today, he is the head tennis coach, head men and women tennis coach at Bollywood University uh, in Kansas City. And after having last week's mentor on, um, you know, this is why I have uh, uh, notes uh, on the But last week, if you remember, we we did talk about um, college tennis, but we talked about the uh, the journey for the pros and what that is. And I thought, who better to talk about the college journey uh, than Scott Engie? So, Scott, I'm going to ask you to, if you would please. Um, First, tell us about Ottawa University, and then I'd like to, to, if you would, I'd like to tell us about what the uh, differences are in college. Uh, I know, and you know, there's a lot of preconceived notions that are not true, and if you could sit there and do that, I think last week we attacked the... Uh, the difficulties of the pro journeys, uh, maybe this week we can get into uh, the advantages and disadvantages of college tennis. Okay, well, first of all, um, Ottawa University is a small Christian-based school outside of Kansas City. It's about 30 miles outside of Kansas City, and uh, it's been around since uh, Civil War days. I believe it was founded in 1865. Uh, the year after the Civil War ended. Um, but it's been a, a small Christian-based school. Baptist founded 
um, and it's had a variety of sports. We're kind of known as a uh, athletic university, even though we have a small uh, student population. Eighty percent of our our uh, students are on athletic scholarship. What's unique about that is everybody uh, that's on campus is either seen at one point or time in the training room, in the in the weightlifting room. Um, we've got great uh, athletic facilities here for a small college. And so it becomes a very close-knit university uh, where our tennis team in particular will go as a group, uh, 15, 20 of us will go as a group and cheer on the basketball team or cheer on the volleyball team or cheer on the soccer team. And subsequently, those teams will come out and cheer for us uh, in the fall and spring when we play. So uh, the uniqueness of, of the small college experience, particularly at Ottawa University, is very close-knit uh, college campus. Everybody kind of knows everybody. Everybody's very supportive of each other's sport. Um, so, you know, and that that's what I really like about the small college uh, experience. Yeah, I could see where that would be great, especially uh, today with the emphasis trying to get uh, people coming out to watch uh, college uh, tennis and high school uh, uh, tennis. And I have some ideas about that that would be printed in Florida Tennis Magazine. But uh, you're addressing that, and, boy, I I, I could see that, uh, how, how precious that really is. Well, I tell you what, uh, when I go out recruiting, you know, oftentimes I'll hear um, kids say, "Well, I want to go where my boyfriend or girlfriend's going, or I want to go with my where my best friend is is going." Um, and I'll tell them, uh, with uh, when the parents actually, when I tell them this, the parents actually smile a little bit because they get this; they've been through the process. I said, as much as and as close as you are with your high school friends, you're going to be even closer with your college friends and the people you graduate with and they always look at me with a puzzled look on their face like why is that that's so I said well in high school you see your friends maybe on the weekend maybe in the schools in college you live with your friends there's a big difference you become like brothers and sisters when you live with people for four years and the bonds that you create in college are much much stronger uh, than the ones uh, that you create in, in high school not that you don't, you know, stay friends with your high school friends, but the bonds are much, much closer, much stronger. Uh, it's more like family. And so when I recruit kids, I, I tell them about that family experience. You mentioned in one of your comments, too, about uh, some of the struggles and, and uh, some of the process of going through college uh, recruiting. One of the things that college uh, coaches uh, other than D1 go through uh, across the board, and, and NCAA Division II, Division Three, and NAIA, which we are, uh, all kind of smile when we tell the story because it's the same uh, across the nation. Every kid wants to go to D1 program because they think there's only good play at D1. They want to be recognized as a D1 athlete. And, um, you know, there's a lot of problems with that, that philosophy. I just sent out kind of a funny meme to all my coaches, and, and they all found it abusing. It's Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy, the comedian, um, who has a, a bit about, you know, if you do something, you're probably a redneck. Well, I changed that meme to, um, you know, 
if you're not getting calls from D1 coaches, you're probably not a D1 player. And I put Jeff Foxworthy's picture on that meme. And they, they said, oh, coach, we, we all run into that, you know. Now, every high school kid wants to play at the best level, and that's, there's nothing wrong with dreaming big and wanting to play, you know, at the highest level. But not every kid is that level. You know, the biggest problem college coaches run into on the, low, on the lower levels is convincing kid, kids we have great talent at our levels. We have D1 talent at our levels. We just have kids that chose to go a small college route. Uh, either for, you know, a degree, either because they're a little bit older or they went the JUCO route. Um, so, I, I, you know, I have to kind of tactfully uh, talk with parents and kids about this. You know, and I ask them, have you gotten any D1 calls from co- coaches from D1 programs? Well, no. So what does that tell you? Sometimes there's silence on the end of the phone. Sometimes there's silence there. I said, if you're not getting calls on a regular basis from D1 programs and D1 coaches, you're probably not a D1 player. And that can be a bit of a shock um, for a kid who has that aspiration or dream. But uh, the reality is I've seen dozens, maybe hundreds of kids that have decided to go to D1 programs. They've gone there their freshman year or they've walked on and they've realized they're not good enough to play and they either quit or they never play for four years. Now, on the economic and financial side of that, I talk to parents and and tell them, how many thousands of dollars have you spent on your son or daughter's tennis lessons in the hopes that they would get a college scholarship? And they'll tell you tens of thousands of dollars. We have academies here in, in Kansas City, and I'm sure all over Florida too, where parents are spending twenty, thirty, maybe forty, fifty thousand dollars a year in the hopes that their kid will either turn pro or go to a big D one D one school. Well if that doesn't occur, what what has that gotten them? I went through this process with my son, so I can speak to it uh, pretty, you know, personally. Uh I I was uh you know pretty blessed to be in the academy and work in the academy and my son was and, and there was another pretty well known player in the same academy by the name of Jack Sock, who has been as high as eight in the world on the ATP tour. <laughs> and my son had dreams of being excuse me, as talented as Jack Sock. And I as a father I didn't have the heart to tell him he probably was never gonna be as good as Jack Sock, but there was there is an opportunity to have great things happen to them in uh, college tennis. One of the, excuse me, I'm taking a drink of water there. Uh-huh. <clears throat> One of the things we had to go through with my son was, well, if if you're not going to be, as, and he discovered this on his own, I didn't have to tell him, fortunately as a parent. He saw Jack rising quickly through the junior ranks, being number one ranked in the nation, saw him at his level of play. And so he came to me when he was 13 or 14 and said, well, if I'm not going to be as good as Jack Soccer, I'll never be a pro player. What good is it to continue my tennis career? And so I sat him down with my wife, and we, I told him about all the great stories I, that I uh, personally had with my college teammates playing college tennis, traveling, going to national tournaments, being nationally ranked. And I said, you know, of the six guys I went to college with, and he knew all of them, every single one of us got a job in our careers through a tennis connection. So I said, it's a network tool. So when I bring that up to parents 
they see that they understand that because most of them are in business and they understand the the worth of networking. I said you're going to use your college tennis experience as a network tool to get a job. You may not uh, be number one in the nation. You may not go to a D1 program, but it's a value to you to continue your college uh, tennis experience or your tennis experience through college uh, for that reason alone. The other part of that is just enjoying the game and being able to be a part of a team. Even if, if you have good talent, you may be able to be a, an All-American at a D2, a D3, or an NEA level. You may, may be a nationally ranked player. You may be able to go to a national tournament and have some success. There are still great things that can happen to kids that don't go to D1. And so and I, might took, I started to take... No, no, no I'm just going to say they might continue to grow, uh, too. I have a, uh, a, uh, a grandson that is going into college uh, next year, and he, had a, he got a scholarship last year as a junior, but uh, he uh, is sitting there going to a small school, and not in tennis, uh, unfortunately, and I love my grandkids dearly, but in baseball. Mm-hmm. And uh, he at the All-Star game this past week in Connecticut, watching him, one of the coaches said, boy, did we miss it with this kid? Did we miss it with this kid? And he's going to a Division three school. But I just yep. found out uh, yesterday that little school that he's going to had two players drafted by uh, the uh, Major League Baseball. So who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what he's going to, you know, how they're going to mature? I do know one thing. My grandson is more excited about working out now that uh, my son-in-law tells me that he's ever been before. So, you know, people yeah, grow, and you yeah. never know what's going to happen in a few years. Yeah, and on the same side, on the tennis side of that, uh, my family was fortunate enough to know Tim and Tom Gullickson. Uh, you probably remember, and the younger people probably don't remember Tim and Tom Gullickson. <laughs> my dad played high school basketball with their father, and for the people that are younger don't know who Tim and Tom Gullickson, they came from a little town in, uh, outside La Crosse, Wisconsin, called Onalaska. They went to northern Illinois and played college tennis there. And northern Illinois is not really known as a, being a, a powerhouse in tennis. It, it is a D1 program. Um, but through four years of, of college training and a couple years on the pro circuit, Tim and Tom ended up becoming uh, – the number one ranked doubles team in the world, very similar. They were identical to twins, very similar to uh, the Bryan brothers now. I think believe they won a couple of grandstands and doubles, and I think Tim got as high as number 10 in the world in um, in singles. Right. So like you said, there is a possibility, there's always a chance that kids can continue to grow and get better, you know, in their college game and, and play, uh, you know, on, the, on their circuits. Many of the foreign kids uh, go back, home either to Europe or South America and, and make, you know, a, a modest living uh, playing uh, pro tournaments after their college career. That's something they choose to do and oftentimes will be, uh, begin or start their own tennis academies, uh, you know, based on their popularity in their country. So there's lots of great things that can happen to kids in college tennis outside of D1. Um, so, I mean, that's the thing that tennis coaches struggle with the most, 
college coaches is trying to convince a kid there are great things that can happen outside of D1. You could be All-American. You have a great experience. You know, my son, for example, uh, after he went to the national tournament with his team, he uh, played a couple years at Ferris State University in Michigan and um, got into sports management there and then transferred to University of Kearney, Nebraska. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, University of Kearney, Nebraska dropped their men's program this year uh, after they were nationally ranked. That's one of the things that uh, we need to advise advise kids on as well. But, um, yeah, I went to the national tournament, had a great experience there, got a degree in sports management, and my now my son now runs the second largest tennis club in Michigan. He's the director of tennis at MVP Club in um, uh, Grand, Grand Rapids, Michigan. So his journey and my journey as both a, as high school players, college players, tennis pros, have brought us to the point where we're still involved in the game that we love, and we're making a career out of it. Yeah, that's a great thing. There is, it, 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 I have to be truthful about it. I don't think there's as many opportunities in uh, tennis as there is in other sports. But like anything else in life, it's what you want and what you're willing to work at. But we do have opportunities, and it isn't only in the pro tour. I mean, you just uh, People have to recognize that. Well, if if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to give your your high school players that may be listening or parents that are listening some tips on how to build a tennis resume and how to get that out to the tennis coaches. Well, I think that's very important because, uh, you know, that, that process can be, I know with my own daughter uh, going through that, um, you know, what her son's, uh, you know, and even with everything I was able to help her, she said, you know, Dad, I just didn't realize the process was going to be so uh, challenging. But uh, uh, I think that would be great if you can do that. Well, it's it's become a lot more easier uh, now than it has been in past, uh, particularly because of one organization. Uh, I want to give credit to the people who have developed UTR, universal tennis rating, it has now become easier for tennis players and tennis coaches to connect with each other based on that that ranking and and, uh, uh, organization's uh, work. Uh, In the past, high school players would uh, play lots of tournaments and they would get a ranking uh, and coaches would have to figure out, you know, based on their uh, location, does a, a, a top 50 ranking in Illinois equal a top 50 ranking in Florida or Texas or Southern California. Uh, we had national tournaments that we'd go to, but like I said, oftentimes the small college coaches would recruit kids locally that may not be a national ranked player. How do you determine uh, whether a kid's good enough to play on your team? Well, if a coach had a good enough eye, he could pretty much pick that up. Uh, but some that came in new, new to college coaching really wouldn't know where to start. So as a high school senior or junior even, uh, kids need to start making contact with coaches, sending video, making appointments to go visit college campuses, having coaches come visit, uh, come watch them play. If I ever have a kid tell me that I'm playing in a local tournament here in Kansas City or uh, invites me to another state to come watch, uh, you know, if they show interest in in my university, I'm going to be there. 
so really, it's it's uh, a kid can't sit and wait for the telephone to ring or they can't wait for that knock on the door. They have to go out and advertise themselves, uh, build a tennis resume. Uh, parents are very familiar with tes- uh, resumes in the business world. You put your, your contact information on there. You, be, you put your best results on there. You put your your best ranking on there. And then you invite the coach to come watch or you make an appointment to go to the university and visit them. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to, to understand your level of play, which UTR helps with. But one of the best ways I've found is to have high school kids come watch college matches. And that is such a rarity. Unless unless they're, they're big-time Division One programs, most high school kids don't come out to their local university. And I'll bet you there's probably a half a dozen within 100 miles of every kid in the United States. They should go out and watch college matches and make a judgment for themselves or with their coach or with their parents. Am I good enough to play at that university? If so, then I'm probably good enough to play at every other university that this team that I think I can play at has beaten. So you begin to broaden your your um, understanding of what your level of play is. Can I play in this conference? Can I beat these, these players in this school? Um, so kids need to take a proactive role in visiting colleges, uh, uh, emailing college uh, coaches, and then go watching college matches. Uh, most of the the uh, kids that I invite out to high school, kids I invite out to watch our practice or watch our matches, are pretty wide-eyed. I think they're they're shocked at how high the quality is compared to their high school and college level. You and I know, John, and most most college coaches know, going from high school to uh, college is a whole nother level, even on uh, the lower levels of non-D1 schools. Um, On my team alone, we've got uh, top-ranked players from Europe, European countries, South American countries, Australia, and, um, you know, it's... We're a little tiny campus outside of Kansas City, but we've quickly uh, grown into a powerhouse in our conference and our region. Uh, we've had nationally ranked team here and uh, on our men's team, and uh, and nationally ranked players um, on our men's team. So when I invite kids from Kansas City or Topeka or Wichita to come out and watch uh, my men's or women's team pla- uh, practice, they're thoroughly impressed because they don't think a small NAIA school can have talent. Well, many of my players have had any. I had that Division One offers. They just chose to come to our school, either because of the uh, the programs, the academic programs, or they've heard thing, good things about the coaches in the program, uh, or they prefer to have a small campus uh, experience. Um, when you're one one uh, student on a campus of 35,000 uh, people, you're not going to get recognized very much. You know, it's the old saying of would you rather be a a little fish in a big pond or a big fish in a little pond? When you're a star athlete at a smaller university, you get recognized all the time. You know, your face is on the webpage. uh, Friends recognize you. You get recognized by your coaches and your athletic administration. You know, it's it's an honor. Uh, One of the honors that I got just in the last couple of years when I played at Emporia State University in central central Kansas, we were an NEIA school, and we were top ten in the nation. At that time, NEIA uh, 
organization had 800 schools. Uh, many of those have left for the Division II uh, level, uh, the NCAA. Uh, but one of the honors I got was uh, because we were a top top school when I was there. Uh, the university uh, honored me with a a bench, a named bench on the tennis courts there. So that was a a great honor for me and, and my teammates, uh, the other guys that uh, that uh, were honored in the same way. So yeah, it's it comes down to you know great to have big aspirations, but uh, reality has got to come into play some sometime too. That uh, there can really great things that happen to you and for you. Uh, at a smaller university. Mm-hmm. Yep. If I could just add one suggestion to what you had there, and I think the, you talked about the UTR, and I think it's such a uh, uh, a big addition to uh, recruitment today, but I think it goes on both ends. I mean, before you and I knew the, the problems with the old USTA ranking and everything, but with the UTR, I think the other thing, when you're contacting a coach, and uh, because we all, you know, we all have biases, and we all love our players and uh, more, and sometimes we uh, even expect more, or we see more than they do. Ask the coach, the college you're looking to go to, what the UTR ranking is of his players there, and you'll have an idea if you're going to be able to fit in there or not. And you've got to go out and yep. get yourself a UTR ranking. That was one of the things that we have a problem and we're fighting with the state of Florida, with the FHSA, to sit there and push and make it a mandatory because, uh, you know, a lot of the high school players, there's not enough of them that play uh, USTA tournaments and – is that really what a ranking is, or is that the people that can afford to go out there? I mean, in all sports uh, today, um, you know, I just read an article last week, are we limiting uh, who's playing sports in high schools? Well, uh, unintentionally we are, you know, can a person play? Because I know in, uh, in Florida it's pay to play, and uh, and it's uh, it's here to stay, unfortunately. No, yeah. Well, another thing about the UTR too, you you nailed, kind of nailed the the uh, head of the uh, hammer on the head there with uh, uh you can go into the UTR program and look at each college's uh, power rankings. They're called Power Six Spread, uh, and all the the players there are listed by UTR, or the vast majority of them. I'd say probably ninety five percent of the players at universities are listed by UTR. And then you can plug in your UTR and see if you would make that team. I mean, that's a great tool. Um, and, again, like all rankings, it could be somewhat subjective. It's a little not exactly perfect, but it gives a pretty accurate um, uh, view of whether you could make a team or not just based on UTR. So many kids uh, just want to be part of the big school and wear the uniform and uh, be say they were part of the team but will never play. Uh, to me, I think that's a waste of time and waste of money. Uh, if I could give a recommendation, a recommendation to the high school players, I would say go to a place where you are going to play uh, three, four, or five as a freshman. And that uh, reason I say that is if you go into university uh, playing, being their number one player as a freshman, 
you're probably not going to get a lot better because there's not going to be anybody that you can practice with or train with that's going to push you to become a better player. On the reverse end, if you go in at six or seven, um, even as a walk-on, you know, you're going to have a lot of pressure to play and perform and maintain in that six spot. Even if you're a starter at the number six spot, you know, a good coach could bring in two players um, in the following year and knock you out of your spot and have a chance to play. So I always recommend to kids, go to a place where you're going to be three, four, or five, uh, preferably three or four. That way, you know, you're always going to be pushed by the top players to become better. You're going to be very comfortable and safe in playing all four years uh, as a starter. And, um, you know, I really think that's the best route to go. UTR can help you with that. That's an excellent point, Scott. Uh, I like that uh, thinking. I think that's good advice uh, for parents. And I think the advice for coaches, I know I sound like a broken record at times, but any chance you have to take your high school coach, to take your team to a college match, you're doing a disservice if you don't do it. If the availability is there, uh, you know, you just besides watching good tennis, it's, it's such a way to do evaluations and everything, and you let the kids feel how they fit in. Is this place where I'm going to fit? And you know, I think it's so important. Yeah, I think it get, and it will inspire kids too to try to reach to that level, uh, and they'll see how exciting college tennis is. Uh, I'm and I've seen some Florida matches, and I've seen some Texas matches, high school matches, and it's pretty exciting there. But there's nothing like a college match because when you're living with your teammates, you're living, breathing uh, tennis, um, and everybody's screaming and hollering for you uh, when you make a great shot, and supportable when uh, when when you, you know, don't make a great shot. You know, there's nothing like college tennis uh, at, at all levels. But I highly recommend kids go. Parents take your kids to see a college match, even a local match. And high school coaches do a disservice if they don't take their kids to see what the opportunities to play college tennis are. My dad, who was a 50-year high school coach and in the Illinois Hall of Fame, uh, always took his kids when uh, the U.S. Clay, uh, U.S. Uh, championship. Uh, it used to be the Western and the Southern. It was in Indianapolis before it moved to Cincinnati. For years, he would take his high school kids down there to see a pro tournament. And while he was down there on the weekend, they would go see, you know, a couple of college matches as well. And he inspired so many people to to play college tennis because they saw how exciting it was and uh, the possibility that they could actually play college tennis and get part of their their uh, uh, tuition or, or expenses paid for. You know, that's even a fallacy in, in D1 program. Not every D1 program is fully funded, and not every kid that plays D1 tennis is going to get a full scholarship. It just doesn't happen. Right. You know, there's a lot of schools that, that don't get fully funded or don't have, have uh, full scholarships. As you know, even in the best uh, D1 programs, the top D1 programs, NCA only allows 4.5 scholarships maximum for men. And so right. the college coach has to figure out a way to fund those other uh, one-and-a-half scholarships among his team. So, you know, it's it's a great way to just, you know, extend your your love and, and passion for the game, get your college, some of your college paid for it. 
how many times have we heard on the, on the television uh, how expensive college is and how many times have we heard how many kids are coming out of college in debt. If you can help supplement your college with a, a tennis scholarship, I, I think you're doing yourself a world of, uh, of good. No, no question. No question. Well, Scott, uh, let me ask you a question, another question. How are you for this coming year? you have all your uh, team picked? Are you still looking for players or no? Well, my my men's team is pretty solid. We had a pretty solid year last year. Um, we shocked a lot of people. Um, last year we made a, a big improvement with my, with my first uh, recruiting class. We got another uh, good uh, men's team coming back. We're led by uh, Lucas Bashenka, who's about a 12 UTR, who was one of the top juniors in, in uh, Czech Republic. He's coming back as a senior next year. Um, our women's team, we're still looking for uh, women's women's players. Uh, another thing that it, uh, you might uh, hope, hopefully your women's uh, players that are listening, there are a lot of scholarships out there for women, and it's a national problem. Uh, well, there's a shortage of women college tennis players. I've talked to about 20 coaches across the country, and they are all hurting for women tennis players, and there's money out there for them. I've got one good scholarship left for a female player uh, for our team, and um, part of the problem is is there are lower numbers of women that want to play college tennis. But another part of the problem for coaches, but good for women, is that there are more scholarships out there for women uh, because of Title IX than for men. So a lot of good women are, are being snapped up by two D, good D2, uh, D3 programs. D3 doesn't offer athletic scholarships, but they have good academic scholarships there and good NEIA programs. So, yeah, right. I'm still looking for women players uh, right now. I've got a couple more that are on my list, but uh, always, uh, always looking for women players at, at Ottawa University. Well, I think the other point Nick Saviano brought up uh, last week, uh, uh, talking about the pro tour, the other problem uh, that the colleges are facing, because I asked the question, why aren't we, colleges used to be the training ground for the pros, why not? Uh, An interesting thing that I thought that he brought up was that the girls are ready to play pros before the uh, boys are. That you know, and he talked about a couple of the girls that he had at 16 years old that were ready to play pro, and that and that did pretty successful with it. Now he said that uh, that doesn't address the question: Should they be going to college and everything? Uh, because I think uh, you know, my own bias, <clears throat> they should be uh going to college and everything. So we're losing some of the women that are going and the other thing that he did point out though, if you if you don't have a sponsor or if you're not prepared to spend a hundred thousand uh, dollars as far as trying to make it in the pros, don't do it. So uh, you know, yeah. to me it's uh, we all have our biases uh, uh, and I always told my kids, you know, that there's only so much money in sports. You've got to be able to make sure the grades are good enough so that there's money available for the colleges there, too. If your grades aren't uh, there, I, I've had, I've heard the phrase before, 
the person isn't good enough to go there. And the reason they're not good enough to go there is because their grades ain't good enough. Not that their uh, tennis skills or baseball skills or other skills weren't good enough, but their grades were good enough to be there, and they didn't have the money to get there uh, to the students. So there's a lot of issues that coaches and parents and players have to address. Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to the JUCO coaches uh, across the nation. I went to the Junior College Nationals uh, in Waco for the women uh, uh, about a month ago and then went to the Men's Nationals in in, uh, Plano, Texas. There's a lot of great talent there. There's a lot of great JUCO coaches out there that are helping develop uh, good players for uh, top NAIA uh, Division II and Division I programs. Uh, It's a great event. A lot of tennis out there uh, at some great facilities. Uh, the Waco Regional uh, Tennis Facility is a phenomenal facility. Uh, I think they had 18 courts. They ran a great tournament out there. And the Plano, Texas the facility is actually on campus uh, of Collin County uh, Community College. Uh, it's a great 12-court wow. facility. Coach Berryman out there really kind of built and developed that entire complex, and they've had several national championships out there. So, yeah, if if, uh, kids are struggling with finances or, you know, they can't get a great scholarship uh, their freshman or sophomore year, I think JUCO is a great great route to start their first year, first two years of college. No question, unfortunately. And this is why we have to be so supportive of these colleges because at one time we had quite a few junior colleges tennis plays in Florida, and I think now we have three, maybe four, but I think three, if I'm not mistaken. And, if, you know, if, if you're going to lose it if you don't support it. And what an opportunity if you don't have to, to, to grow into something and, you know, maybe get a chance to uh, get a scholarship. And, and the ones that, you know, many of the coaches that I talk to that are in there, uh, they have the same problems other schools, and that's the turnover because they're going to lose a kid this second year because they're getting a scholarship to go someplace else. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Scott, because I think we forget that too often. Yeah, and there, there are some great JUCOs in Florida, uh, Hillsburg, Hillsborough Community College uh, right. in the Tampa area, Asa College in Miami. Um, there's some great, great uh, junior colleges in, in uh, Florida that produce some top players as well. Yeah, there's just a few of them now, unfortunately. That's the problem. There used to be dozens, and it's a, it's a crying shame. Well, Scott, tell the people how to get a hold of you. I tell the, you know, often I, I will give you my own biased view. If you have a chance uh, to go to uh, Kansas City to play tennis, you're not only going to get a coach that is going to be help you become a better tennis player and d- develop your skills, but you're going to get a coach that cares for you and a coach that's going to help you with your journey through life. Because that's what I, I, I'm my own bias. I do think that people involved in athletes has a better chance of adjusting through the problems that life presents to you because they're going through, they're competing all the time. And unfortunately, I think competition has become a dirty word in this country, and it shouldn't be because um, when you leave Scott and you 
go out in the public after, you're going to be competing. You're going to be competing for a job. You're going to be competing the rest of your work, your life. And uh, I, I think Scott's going to be able to help you do that. But more important, uh, he I know he cares for you because I know how much he cares for tennis. Scott, we just about shot a broadcast there. So if you could tell the people how to get a hold of you, I would appreciate it. Yeah, if you want to have a great college experience, uh, we have great coaches at Ottawa University, uh, great campus, uh, great facilities. We have great indoor facilities uh, on the days we get rain or a little bit of cold weather. But uh, um, just to to let some of your listeners know, uh, we do some fundraising, and and this year we are going to take our entire team to the U.S. Open over Labor Day weekend to play some college matches in the – New York, Philadelphia area, and experience the the, the uh, U.S. Open. And in the spring, we're going to take our team out to California, Los Angeles area, play some teams out there. So we travel well, we train hard. Uh, you'll get great coaching, and you'll get a, you'll get a coach uh, uh, that'll care about you both as a, a student athlete, and uh, uh, you know it'll be a long term relationship. It'll have it'll last uh, well beyond the college years. Uh, that's something I try to develop with all my players. Uh, but if you want to get a hold of me at, at Ottawa University in Kansas, uh, my telephone number is 913-638-2970. Or you can reach me on uh, our email address, uh, which is scott, S-C-O-T-T-N-G-E-N-G-E, with a dot in the middle. Let's do that again, ottawa.edu. That's my email address. Also, you can see us on our Facebook page, at Ottawa University Men's and Women's Tennis. So, John, I appreciate your time. Thanks for letting me be on your radio program today. Well, I appreciate you giving your time, too, Sky. I know how busy it is. So please take advantage of it. If you know of a student, you know, have them contact Scott if you think they're going to fit in there. I will remind you that next uh, Thursday we uh, is the second Thursday of the uh, month, which means that Coach uh, uh, Chuck Reese will be our mentor. Uh, he's been coaching for over 40 years at the uh, college uh, level. Uh, you, uh, if you have any suggestions, questions you want to ask him, please contact me about it. Remember the great thing about Block Talk Radio is you can listen at the time you want to listen to it. I very seldom listen to the other shows on the network live. I'm quite frankly, I listen to it sometimes at six in the morning or eleven at night. Uh, but um, that's the great thing about Block Talk Radio. So tell your friends if they can to tune in next Thursday. If not. Uh, I will post that when you see the logo there. Just click the logo on, and you'll be able to listen at the time you choose. So please uh, have a blessed week. Uh, Like I said in my commentary, please, I know it's tough today with some of the negative remarks that you read in uh, newspapers and you see on TV, but if we don't get involved, uh, who is going to do it? We owe it to the game of tennis. We owe it to our country. We owe it to our children and grandchildren. So please stay involved. Uh, let's not become intellectually lazy that we don't want to read something because somebody is vulgar. I know it's hard getting through that, 
But let's get through it. I look forward to talking with you next week. Have a blessed week, and the Almighty willing, I'll be on with Chuck Reese next Thursday. Bye now.